Section 3 of Ingersoll on Which Way? From the Works of Robert G. Ingersoll, Volume 3, Lectures. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. Section 3. So, there have been two theories about the cause and cure of disease. One is the theological, the other the scientific. According to the theological idea, diseases were produced by evil spirits, by devils who entered into the bodies of people. These devils could be cast out by prophets, inspired men, and priests. While Christ was upon earth, his principal business was to cast out evil spirits. For many centuries the priests followed his example, and during the Middle Ages millions of devils were driven from the bodies of men. Diseases were cured with little images of consecrated pewter, with pieces of paper, with crosses worn about the neck, by having plaster of Paris virgins and clay Christ at the head of the bed, by touching the bones of dead saints, or pieces of the true cross, or one of the nails that was driven through the flesh of Christ, or a garment that had been worn by the Virgin Mary, or by sprinkling the breast with holy water, or saying prayers, or counting beads, or making the stations of the cross, or by going without meat, or wearing hair cloth, or in some way torturing the body. All diseases were supposed to be of supernatural origin, and all cures were of the same nature. Pestilences were stopped by processions, led by priests carrying the host. Nothing was known of natural causes and effects. Everything was miraculous and mysterious. The priests were cunning, and the people credulous. Slowly another theory as to the cause and cure of disease took possession of the mind. A few discarded the idea of devils, and took the ground that diseases were naturally produced, and that many of them could be cured by natural means. At first the physician was exceedingly ignorant, but he knew more than the priest. Slowly but surely he pushed the priest from the bedside. Some people finally became intelligent enough to trust their bodies to the doctors, and remained ignorant enough to leave the care of their souls with the priests. Among civilized people, the theological theory has been cast aside, and the miraculous, the supernatural, no longer has a place in medicine. In Catholic countries, the peasants are still cured by images, prayers, holy water, and the bones of saints. But when the priests are sick, they send for a physician, and now even the Pope, God's agent, gives his sacred body to the care of a doctor. The scientific has triumphed to a great extent over the theological. No intelligent person now believes that devils inhabit the bodies of men. No intelligent person now believes that devils are trying to control the actions of men. No intelligent person now believes that devils exist. And yet, at the present time, in the city of New York, Catholic priests are exhibiting a piece of one of the bones of St. Anne, the supposed mother of the Virgin Mary. Some of these priests may be credulous imbeciles, and some may be pious rogues. 
if they have any real intelligence, they must know that there is no possible way of proving that the piece of bone ever belonged to St. Anne. And if they have any real intelligence, they must know that even the bones of St. Anne were substantially like the bones of other people, made of substantially the same material, and that the medical and miraculous qualities of all human bones must be substantially the same. And yet these priests are obtaining from their credulous dupes thousands and thousands of dollars for the privilege of seeing this bone and kissing the box that contains the sacred relic. Archbishop Corrigan knows that no one knows who the mother of the Virgin Mary was, that no one knows about any of the bones of this unknown mother, knows that the whole thing is a theological fraud, knows that his priests, or priests under his jurisdiction, are obtaining money under false pretenses. Cardinal Gibbons knows the same, but neither of these pious gentlemen has one word to say against this shameless crime. They are willing that priests, for the benefit of the church, should make merchandise of the hopes and fears of ignorant believers, willing that fraud that produces revenue should live and thrive. This is the honesty of the theologian. If these gentlemen should be taken sick, they would not touch the relic, they would send for a physician. Let me tell you a Japanese story that is exactly in point. An old monk was in charge of a monastery that had been built above the bones of a saint. These bones had the power to cure diseases, and they were so placed that by thrusting the arm through an orifice they could be touched by the hand of the pilgrim. Many people, afflicted in many ways, came and touched these bones. Many thought they had been benefited or cured, and many in gratitude left large sums of money with the monk. One day the old monk addressed his assistant as follows, My dear son, business has fallen off, and I can easily attend to all who come. You will have to find another place. I will give you the white donkey, a little money, and my blessing. So the young man mounted upon the beast and went his way. In a few days his money was gone, and the white donkey died. An idea took possession of the young man's mind. By the side of the road he buried the donkey, and then to every passer-by held out his hands and said in solemn tones, I pray thee give me a little money to build a temple above the bones of the sinless one. Such was his success that he built the temple, and then thousands came to touch the bones of the sinless one. The young man became rich, gave employment to many assistants, and lived in the greatest luxury. One day he made up his mind to visit his old master. Taking with him a large retinue of servants, he started for the old home. When he reached the place, the old monk was seated by the doorway. With great astonishment he looked at the young man and his retinue. The young man dismounted and made himself known, and the old monk cried, "'Where hast thou been? Tell me, I pray thee, the story of thy success.' Ah, the young man replied, old age is stupid, but youth has thoughts. Wait until we are alone, and I will tell you all. So that night the young man told his story, told about the death and burial of the donkey, the begging of money to build a temple over the bones of the sinless one, and of the sums of money he had received for the cures the bones had wrought. 
When he finished, a satisfied smile crept over his pious face as he added, Old age is stupid, but youth has thoughts. Be not so fast, said the old monk, as he placed his trembling hand on the head of his visitor. Young man, this monastery in which your youth was passed, in which you have seen so many miracles performed, so many diseases cured, was built above the sacred bones of the mother of your little jackass. End of section 3